We're, we're getting close to revival. And I'm looking forward to that. I am really looking forward. He's going to be in different places. I know he's going to be in Ruffin right after our revival. He's going to be down in Ruffin for three or four days there. And he invited us to come down there with him. But uh, uh, I, I'm looking forward to revival. Uh, I, I feel that I need a revival. And uh, I'm there. So uh, have your Bibles turned to, to one of the greatest revivals in the book of the Bible. The great, one of the greatest Bible, revivals. Anybody know what book that was in? The entire city got saved. Jonah. Acts, yes. <laughs> yes. No, Jonah. The entire city of Nineveh got saved. And we'll get into that. Jonah chapter 1. And keep your Bibles open. I'm going to use a lot of different verses from all, all the chapters in the Bible to bring out a point that may help us and get us through and uh, help us what we need to. I'm, I'm just going to read uh, 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 one verse. No, let me read. Let me read. Start, start at chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise. I, I like that word, arise. The word said, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up to me before me. But Jonah. Now, I love the word but in the Bible, because when God says but, that means something great's going to come after it. But when you say but, it ain't coming out good. But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid their fare, therefore. And I highlighted this phrase in my Bible, and went down into it. To go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. Lord, help us to be what we need. Lord, help us to receive your engrafted words and apply it to our lives and our hearts that we may be what you've called us to be. And Father, we'll praise you. We'll glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Like I said, I'm interested in that phrase, uh, and he went down unto. I want to preach on this thought, some things Jonah got into. I have uh, no idea what your spiritual life is like tonight. I don't know if you're uh, running towards God or if you're running from God. I have no idea, but I'm glad to report to you tonight. There is one sitting on the throne of God knows exactly what your heart is doing and what direction you're heading. He knows your spirit, spirituality. He, you may be here physically, but you may be, uh, uh, need a, a little bit of a, uh, get a little bit closer to God tonight. And some of us are trying to get out. Amen. Some of us are trying to get out. No. We need to get in tonight. I want us to look at this man, Jonah, a prophet of God. He got into some things. Look at the command, verse 2, arise and go. That's not too complicated, is it? Not even for me, it's not too complicated. It is pretty simple. God said, go. Jonah, just get up and go. That's all he wanted him to do. And that's many things. God does not give us suggestions. God gives us commands. 
How we respond to God's command depends on whether you're getting closer to God or drifting away from God. Flee fornication. That is a command. Amen. He said, uh, be not drunk with wine, we're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That is a command of God. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. That is a command of God. Nowhere in the Bible does God make suggestions on any of these things. He said, when thou prayest, that is a command for you to pray. It's not suggesting that we do this. We, we see the command arise. Then we see the conjunction, verse number 3. But when you say a command is met with our conjunction, we got problems. When you say, but God. You see, instead of Jonah uh, getting up and going to Nineveh like uh, God had told him to, like Jonah said, Lord, uh, uh, let me pray a little bit more. No, but Jonah said, but God, I am going in the opposite direction. I'm not going in the direction you're telling me to go. I am heading in a different direction. But Jonah rose and fleed. I don't know how many conjunctions uh, uh, that we're giving God tonight when God tells us, go witness. Go pray. Go hand out tracts. But God, you know, you know I would. But God, you know I'm so busy. But God, you know how everything is going in my life. But God, you know, if, if you take this away, I'll do it. But God, how many times God has called you to do something, and you said, but God, but God, I, 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 am I the only one? Because I have said, but God, I, I just don't feel like doing that to God. I, I just don't feel like going over and talking to them. I, I, I just don't feel like being around them. But God said, go. And I fled as fast as the way from God as I could. I was Jonah. We see the command, we see the conjunction, but we see the cost. He had to pay a fare. That conjunction was costly in his life. When God gives a command, just do it. Stop talking why, about why you can't, how come you can't. When God says go, just go and do it. Amen. And let me just say this. In the long run, you're going to come out a lot better by doing when God says go and do this by getting up. And go. You may not like it. You may not want to. You may go kicking and fighting all the way, but you need to get up and go when God said go. It's going to cost you something when God tells you to go and you say, no, I'm not going. It's going to cost you something. He had to pay a fare. He went down in the boat as a disobedient preacher. A disobedient preacher. God said, I've got some work for you to go do. You are the prophet of God. He says, I want you to go to that great city and cry against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. You're the man. I'm sending you, Jonah. You are the one I'm sending. I'm sending everything with you. But Jonah jumped on a ship, heading in a different direction. He was a disobedient preacher. Now, I've seen disobedient preachers before. 
I have met with disobedient preachers before. You see, God is telling us to do something tonight, and God has been uh, pushing us for a long time, for a while, to do what He wants us to do. He's telling you to do something, and we keep saying, but God. I, I throw my conjunction out, but God, I, I just can't do that. But saying, but God can cost you a lot. It's going to cost you something. Jonah said, I'm not going to do it. Jonah is trying his best to get away from the Lord. He's not trying to run closer and get closer to God, but he's running as far as he... And if you look on the map, Tarshish is about as far away from the point that he's at right now. He's trying to get so far away from God. He's trying to get out of God's presence, thinking that he's going to be all right. But can I tell you, when God gives you a command, when God tells you to do something, and you disobey, and you become a disobedient Christian... It don't have to be a preacher, a disobedient Christian. God's going to put something in your pathway to get your attention. Amen? So here's Jonah trying to run as far as away from him. You know the story. Jonah, he's in this boat, and, and the Bible said, but Jonah, and then God replied to Jonah, but with one, his own butt, He's head on to a battle. He's head into a battle that he cannot win. You know, anytime you get in an argument with God, you ought to realize right off the bat, you cannot win with God. God, we know who's going to win in the end. God's going to win in the end. But Jonah said, hey, I'm going. And look at verse 4. But the Lord sent a great wind. All these men were afraid. They were thinking about the die. They all had done start praying their gods. Uh, they had all start seeking their answers. And they took a look at Jonah. Jonah was asleep down in the, the bowels of the ship. And they wake him up and said, something is going on. In verse number 8, it said, they said unto him, Tell us, we pray. For whose cause this evil is upon us? Then he asked him, What is thy occupation? What do you do? Jonah entered that ship as a disgraced preacher. He had to hang his head low when he asked him, What do you do? He said, All this has come about because of me. Because of me. Not only do we see Jonah as a disgraced preacher, but we see Jonah as a disobedient prophet. If you go to 2 Kings, I don't want to turn there. 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a great woman for Chinnam. And she kept watching this prophet going back and forth, back and forth in front of her house. He would stop and eat bread. And he just kept walking back and forth, back and forth. She went to her husband and said, this, this prophet, this man is walking back and forth in front of our house. And she said, I've been watching him. And this is what she said. I perceive that this is a holy man of God. See, she didn't have to ask Elijah who he was. But they came down in the bottom of the ship and they had to ask Jonah, Who are you? What are you doing? So you have to ask, What is your occupation? Something's wrong. He was sure he wasn't acting like a prophet of God. He was living like a prophet of God. 
he was nestled down and, and they, they figured out that it was his fault. He was the reason. He's causing all these problems to come upon them. What in the world do you want us to do? He looked at him as a disgraced prophet. A disobedient preacher, disgraced prophet. Because he had to tell them, I am a prophet of God. But yet he's running from God. There, there are some that we look at and say, don't you see, they go to that church, they've been going to that church, they've done that, and they've done this. And now you don't see them anymore. Now you can't find them anymore. You don't, you don't know where they're at. You don't know what they're doing. And no longer do you see them people in church because something happened and they've gone away. Instead of going the way the Lord wanted them to go, they decided they wanted to go the way they wanted to go. We've seen a lot of people in that in, that in churches today. He was a disgraced, disobedient preacher and a disgraced prophet. Verse number 15. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth in the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. He got into the boat as a disobedient Preacher, he got into the billows as a disgraced prophet. They threw him overboard. And all of a sudden, when they throw him overboard, everything went calm. When he, he was the cause and the reason. You ever wonder in your life why the storm keeps raging in your life and you don't understand why? It's totally out of control uh, and it's raging and somehow you just don't... It may be because... The storm that God has sent your way to get your attention, to get you back in the direction that God has placed you into, to get you back to what God has told you to do. You become a disobedient to God trying to stop us. Verse 17, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I read that and I thought about that. Here it said that. Now Jonah got in the belly of the fish and, there, and he wasn't on the boat anymore. They found himself in the billows, now he's in the belly. And what he does, he's in the belly, he discovers prayer. He finally prays. The Bible said he was in the belly for three days and three nights. Now, how many times you found yourself in the belly of the fish? How many times you found yourself in the storm raging and coming after you and, and you don't understand? Did it take you three days to start praying? It took Jonah three days to start realizing, hey, I'm in a place I should not be. I'm in a place that, hey, it's not natural for me to be here, but I, I'll wait one day, two days. And on the third day, he said, wait a minute, I got, I got to have help. He, he discovered prayer. He got the word of God coming to him and he's disobedient to it. He's a disgraced prophet. Now he's found himself in the belly. And sometimes the belly will make you pray. Sometimes that storm will bring you to your knees and make you start praying. And that's, that's where Jonah was. He was at the point in his life that he had to break down and start praying. He's in the belly for three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse number 1. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord and the God out of the fish of the belly. 
Now, nowhere in chapter 1 that we read, and if you read chapter 1, nowhere in chapter 1 you ever find Jonah praying. He, he doesn't pray about anything. He jumps up as fast as he can, runs in the opposite direction. Even when they're about ready to throw him overboard, Jonah is not praying. Jonah's admitting that he was the problem. Jonah admitting that he was the one that caused it. But Jonah is not praying. You ever realize that maybe if Jonah broke down on that ship and got down on his knees and started praying, Lord, it is me. I made a mistake. I'm trying to rectify it. I need your help. You think maybe God would have stopped that storm and got Jonah where he needed to be? But Jonah doesn't pray. Jonah just said, hey, it's my problem. I caused it, so they throw him over the side, and it became calm for them, for everybody else. Never, not once did Jonah say, hey, boys, let's pray about this. You're about ready to cast me into that deep water there. Uh, let's pray about it. Jonah doesn't do that. Jonah doesn't pray about it. I need some prayer. You're fixing to kill me. I need to pray. No, Jonah doesn't pray. But the fish got a hold of him. And then, like I said, it even took him three days to pray then. How long is it going to take you to pray? How long is it going to take God to get your attention before you start praying to him? Have ever been a time in your life a big fish got a hold of you? Trouble came your way? A storm came your way? It's happened. You made a mad dash away from God. You're not heading to church. You're not getting to church for worship, but you're running away from God because some storm came in your life. We've done that. I, I need church. I need church. When they said the storm is coming, I said, oh, Lord, the storm is going to come your way. You cannot control it. I thought I got by. I thought, hey, it ain't nothing at 6.15. There ain't going to be nothing at 9.15. No, it was storm came. And whoever was praying for it, you need to be shot. Verse number five, the waters can pass me about me to, to the soul. The depths closed around about me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. He's in a bad place. He's not in a good place. I went down to the bottoms of the mountain and the earth with the bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainteth when me, I remember the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee and into thy holy temple. They that deserve lying vanities forsake their own mercies, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will, I will pay it back. I'm going to give it back. I made a go. Anybody ever made a vow to God? Lord, I made a vow to God. I pray, God, you get me off this airplane. I went through a storm. I was like this in a jumbo 747. I just knew this is it. I'm dying here. I'm all alone in this ocean and fish is going to eat my body up and they ain't never going to find me. I said, Lord, if you get me off this plane on dry ground, I'll never get on another one. I had to retire from the army because I made that vow to God. 
made that vow for God. Psalm 66, 13, 14, I will go to thy house with burnt offerings. I will pray thee my vow, I will pray thee my vows, which my lips have uttered and my mouth has spoken when I was in trouble. It took him being in trouble to pray, to get down on his knees and pray. It's going to take us to go through that storm that breaks us and put us in that prayer life state. Lord, I have made a vow. I promised you if I serve. You know, I've seen people. Lord, help my time. Go to a hospital. and they just, You just know they're getting ready to die. Heart attack. And you go and witness to them. And the first thing out of their mouth is, God, if you get me out of this bed, I'll serve you. All the days of my life. God, if you heal me, I'll be faithful to you. And God will reach his mighty hand down to that hospital bed, touch you, heal you, get you all right. And next thing you know, you don't see him in church none. I'd be careful. There was a man in the, uh, in the Bible who made a vow to God. Whatsoever came out the door when I come in peace, I will make it in a sacrifice of burnt offering unto you, Lord. What came out that door? Well, his daughter came out that door. Daughter said, give me 30 days. May I go up and celebrate? He said, yeah, come back. He made a burnt offering of his daughter to God because he made a vow to God. We need to be careful. Lord, if you, if you, oh, Lord, if you save my child, I will serve thee all the days of my life. Lord, if you take this burden off of me, I'll serve you all the days of my life. We've all said that. We've all done that. But God takes vows seriously. Seriously. God takes a vow seriously. And we need to take a vow seriously. He said, hey, I'm going to repay. I've said, Lord, if you do this, I will pay back my vows that I asked to you. Jonah said, I'll pay back the vows. God put him in the belly of the the well and he said, do you remember what you promised to me? Have you ever had to remember what what you promised to God? I'm telling you, a lot of times we, we, we've, we don't really take it serious when we pray to God and ask God to touch us or do something for us. Lord, if you do this, I'll do this. Lord, if you do this, I'll do this. God does his part and we don't do our part. Maybe God's trying to get you in a place where you remember what you promised him if he would do something for you. Jonah, Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah did not want to go to that city of Nineveh. Verse number three. And I love this. Well, let's go back to verse number, verse number chapter three, verse one. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Aren't you glad God didn't turn his back on you? Aren't you glad God just didn't cast you to side when you messed up? <laughs> Maybe we can just take our halos off for a while and put them wings up for right now, but every one of us sitting here has been that way. 
Every one of us has been that way. Well, I've never done God that way you have. Every one of us said, Lord, Lord. But God gave us a second chance. That merciful God reached down and said, Hey, I, I heard your cry. I saw your need. I, I know what you was going through. I, I just want to get your attention. You made a vow to me. You made a promise to me. I want to remind you what you said. I already know what I said, but I want you to remind you what you said. Jonah cried out from the belly of the well, Lord, forgive me. He said, I'm sorry. I need your help. I need your touch. And oh, praise God, we need his touch again. And all of a sudden, God gives him the second chance. Can I say this? You're not gone so far that God cannot reach down and give you another second chance. He'll give you the second chance. Verse 4 and Jonah began to enter in the city. Man, I'm telling you, Jonah was a dis disobedient preacher. He got into the bellows and his disgraced prophet. Then he got in the belly and he discovered prayer. And now he got in the big city. I, I see this was a determined preacher. He was determined to preach to this city. He was said, Lord, God, is, God has given me this. God has told me this. He was determined to preach. And he preached an eight-word sermon. Oh, man. <laughs> an eight-word sermon. Now, I know how many of y'all Monday morning, me, Sunday morning, me walking here, so look, I'm going to give you an eight-word sermon. How many of you go, praise God. <laughs> Amen. Well, let me tell you what, that little eight-word sermon, thousands got right with God. He got right with God. Jonah began to enter the city and he cried and he said, Yet 40 days Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's his sermon. That's all he said. And it was so powerful that it moved on everyone there. A revival broke out because of those eight words. God is about to ready destroy your city. Can I tell you what? God is about ready to destroy our country because of the deeds of our country. Our wickedness has grown up before the Lord and we need to start repenting. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast. An eight-word sermon brought a revival that would not You say, how in the world can an eight-word sermon bring a revival? But you know what? Can I tell you, Jonah, Jonah knew this was going to happen. He knew, he knew God was merciful. He knew God was, uh, uh, was kind. And he, he, he knew that God was going to do this. And he was fighting against the will of God. Jonah didn't want to see these people come into a revival. Whew. Let's stop right there just for a moment. Jonah didn't want to go there and preach to those people because of the wickedness that came up for God. He said, Lord, you ought to just wipe them out and get rid of them. I am not going to preach to them. And God said, watch this, big boy. <laughs> Put you in that belly of that fish for a while and you're going, you're going to get to none of them. Bible said he spewed him up on the shore three days from Sunday, and he was he entered, that, he entered the city that day. He was howling. Yeah. He, 
he said, ooh, where I been? Mm-mm, I'm going, I'm going. Eight words that he preached to the city of Nineveh. And the king, with sackcloth and ashes, and proclaimed a fast that nobody shall eat, not even the dogs, not even the cattle, the birds. Nothing's going to eat. We're just going to uh, uh, have a, a sackcloth and ash party here, and we're going to pray, and we're going to fast. All right, you remember when the guys brought this uh, child of the disciples, and they couldn't do anything, and Jesus came up and said, I brought my kid to these, uh, your disciples here, and, and they struck out. And Jesus went over and healed him and everything. And the disciples says, Lord, how come we couldn't do that? He says, some things come by prayer fasting. Prayer and fasting. Now, it didn't say that the king just prayed. It didn't say the king just proclaimed. And can I say this? It, was just, it went from the top to the least. The king was the first. He lay aside his royalty. He says, I'm just telling you what, I, what we need to do. God has made proclamation. We're going to destroy Nineveh in 40 days. And if we don't get right, we're not going to be here in 40 days. So let's just start praying and, and fasting. There's some things that only can happen through prayer and fasting. There's going to be, you know what I find this. Let me give you three quick things and we'll go out of here. I find that we are not hungry enough for revival. We're not. Well, how in the world do you know we're not hungry enough for revival? Just look at us. We're well-fed people. If you're well-fed, you ain't looking to get fed anymore. We're not hungry. He said, go and and, uh, have a fast. Not even the beast, not even anything. Nobody's going to eat. We find that we don't want to afflict our flesh. Lord, if you put a cherry cheese pie in front of me, we might have to fight. Because I got to have it. I got to have it. But there's going to come some times in our lives that we got to set aside things of this flesh in order to get the things that God wants for this house. Like I said, he brought, he brought his son to the disciples. They couldn't do anything because they didn't know nothing about fasting. The king got in sackcloth and ashes. He wasn't haughty. He, he set aside his royalty. You know, we think we're too good. We think we, we're better than that. You know, we sit in here in our nice clothes and smiles and we shake hands and hug each other. We're too proud. We're too proud. We're too proud to come to the altar. Lord, if I go to the altar, they may think something wrong with you. There is something wrong with you. There's something wrong with every one of us. We need to be out the altar. Well, if I go to the altar, think so, I got sin in my life. That ain't where the altar is always for. It's to get you closer to God. You may be disobedient to God, and God's got to get you back to Him. You come to the altar. 
we we too proud to let people know there's something wrong in our life. We're not hungry enough. They weren't hurtful. Can I say verse number 8? Let them turn everyone from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Now, I know we're not going around hitting everybody, beating them down with clubs and everything. We're not really nasty to them. But you know what? We can be real nasty with our mouths. We can. We can beat people down with our mouths down in any we can, any club that you put in our hands. We need to be careful. We need to be careful there. We are, we are to become a blessing to somebody. Instead of trying to uh, beat them down, we're to try to help them out. He says, stop the violence. Stop the evil ways. I, I want a revival. And I want to see what God can do more here than has ever been before. But sometimes some things that we do not see are the things that hinder us. Some things that we can't see that's hindering us. He got in the city and determined to preach and saw a revival. Verse number 2 of chapter 4. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was in the country? Therefore I fled before unto the Tarshish, for I knew that thou art gracious and gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. He said, Lord, I knew what you was going to do. That is why I fled. That is why I was running away. <laughs> Lord, I knew if they're going to have a revival, somebody's going to come in, somebody's going to get saved, and I really particularly didn't like that person. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Your worst enemy walks through the door and gets saved. You ought to fall on their neck and praise God and give them all the glory. And look at them and say, I love you, brother. Jonah says, Lord, I know what you're going to do. He said, you're going to send a revival. And people are going to get right with God. Then verse 3, he said, therefore, now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. And ain't that like us? You're whining, crying. O Lord, I beseech you, take my life from me. It is better for me to die than to live. Boy, Lord, it's better for me to die than to go to church with those people. It is better for me to die to watch them shout, run the pews. It is better for me, Lord, to just die. He went in the Bible, said he went and got out of the booth and just laid there and said, Lord, kill me. Ain't that us? We cry and we whine. I understand sometimes we get down in life. Sometimes we face trials in this life. I understand that. We get under that booth and sometimes we say, Lord, why didn't you save my kids? I saw you save other people's kids. I saw what you've done in their life. I saw you heal somebody that was on a bed dying of cancer and you healed them. Why didn't you do it mine? Lord, why didn't you touch mine? Why didn't you heal mine, Lord? And we get down and we cry and we whine about it. And we get under that booth and say, Lord, 
I'm through with it. That's what Jonah did. We seem to get bit. You know what? Can I say this? If God saves somebody, you should never ever get bitter about it because of who they are. Never. Never. We're here to see souls get saved. Amen. I, I, I love people. I love them to death. And there's some I just, I just don't want to be around. But if they walk through that door, got right with God, and start serving God, I'll love on them. I wouldn't be bitter about it. Lord, why do you save them? Why do you let them do that? And you wouldn't let my family go like this. Why, Lord? Until we get in that booth and we start crying and whining and complaining to God. Then I find that God will just come down and wrap his arms around and says, don't worry about it, I got it. I've got it. And if God's got it, then we need to move on. I want to see revival. I want to see great things done. I want to see God not only bring a great revival, but after the revival, great things keep going forth in the name of God throughout this church. And people get right and people get saved. They don't have to come to this church, but if they get right and get saved, they can go out and be a blessing to other people. Amen. I've gave up that thought of having a great big 1,000 seat church. I gave it up. I don't think I can handle that many people at one time. Barely handling y'all. But God has been too good to us. He's been too good for us. Revival is coming. And it's going to take us getting right with God now before a revival date that the results will be great because the things we're doing now are getting closer to God. Emptying ourselves of all the trash and the garbage of the world and let God move in our lives today. Saying, Lord, move me today until the day of revival so great things can come. I believe that. I believe if we start emptying ourselves, God will move. God will answer prayers. We'll see great things done because of what God has done. I don't know about you, but I want to see great things done. I, I want to see great things done. I, I, I love coming to the Bible. Uh, I love to shout. I love to do all great things. And I, I, I love people being here. Amen. I, I love, I was going to text everybody. I said, the Bible says, not neglect assemble ourselves together like mine is like some others. See y'all tonight. Amen. But I, I love coming to church. I love the fellowship. I love the singing. I love being around people of God. I love it. I can't think of a better place to be. But we can get better at what we do. We can get better. How do you get better? Well, you get closer to the one who does it. I can't do it. You can't do it. But God can do it. And we get closer to him. God will do great things. Great things.